Well, that humility is going to resonate with, with everything. And not everybody's there. Yeah. We should not be afraid. I pray for God. I pray for myself, my two kids, my wife. If if we will not humble ourselves, that God will humble us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to pray for that because God wants us humble. Yep. So if he wants us there, I'm not, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an old cliche with the word patience. Don't pray for patience because God will give you something that you'll make you patient. I, I'm not afraid. I, I pray the same thing about patience. God help me to be patient. But with humility, it will go so far with the people that we're ministering to because sometimes they just have this wrong idea that we're, you're put up on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, and, and we know that we are uh, just as much a sinner as anybody else. Amen. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on Continuous Improvement. With me is my friend and producer of Streamroots, John Blosser. John, welcome. Thanks. Good to be here, Mark. How's everything going? It's great, man. No complaints. How is baby Gideon sleeping? Uh, he's sleeping sometimes. Okay. And the other times he's nursing. So, I mean, that's, you know, hard for my wife. Yeah, if you're newer, newer to the show, John and his, uh, they just had their third child. Third Gideon. child. Yep. And ju- beginning of June. So beginning of June. It was awesome. Really great experience. It was awesome. Third child's easy. So any parents that are out there that are like, oh, should we have a, a third child? Just do it. It's easy. <laughs> Besides, most of the time it's not up to you anyways. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're glad uh, you're here, John. Uh, thanks for being a great producer. Hey, anytime. And an even better friend. Aww. <laughs> All right. I just got fridge access, by the way. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, I have a fridge in my office. All right, here we go. Uh, today we have a special guest for this episode. Joining us is Pastor Jeremy Lazelle from Calvary Bible Church in Lapeer, Michigan. Jeremy is a graduate of Maranatha Baptist Bible College and also Northland International University. Jeremy is an avid listener of Stream Roots and reached out months ago and we've become friends and he's on here for this episode of continuous improvement because he really embodies that. Uh, he's continuing making relationships, developing, growing, and it's a huge part of being a good pastor, ministry leader, serving the Lord in the church and what God has for us in life. So Jeremy, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Mark. And I appreciate this long time ago, reached out after being exposed to stream roots and so blessed by it. Um, It's my typical Monday routine. I'll just share with you guys a personal thank you because I take that in. And it's so good for pastors and so good for pastors and even, you know, Midwest even. And I know it goes beyond that, but it is just a huge blessing. And um, I know several of the folks that you guys have had on and all of them so genuine. And so um, I reached out to you with some questions. I wanted some help. And I said, I bet Mark can help me out. And you would. You were very kind and generous. And Mark's very humble. Yes, he is. We should get him a t-shirt that says humble, shouldn't we? So He has a coffee mug that says world's most okayest boss. <laughs> okayest pastor. Pastor, sorry. That was a gift. It was nice. It's a uh, gift. Praise God. No, no, a friend, a friend gave me that, world's most okayest pastor. But all oh, praise God, those are kind words. But uh, yeah, so Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Yeah, um, I've been married for 25 years this uh, July. Congrats, man. So 20, it's our silver anniversary. We actually just got back from a trip and celebrated uh, that silver anniversary early. So we did a little trip to California, and we're gone for about 10 days. We just got back in town and um, had a fantastic time. Um, I feel a little guilty now. We have two kids, and you just said, go for that third yeah, right. if you're thinking it's too hard. So I've got a 20-year-old uh, named Jack. He just finished his sophomore year in college down at Cedarville University. Mm-hmm. I've got a daughter, Emma, who is a senior, going into her senior year at LaPere High School. And um, so Tina and I met in college in Wisconsin. And uh, when we got back from our honeymoon, I had a job at a church when I was still in college. We got married after my sophomore year. I was an older student. And uh, so we have never had a time where we were not working at a church since we've been married, which 
you know, pros and cons, uh, to that. But, um, it's been a blessing. I was 10 years as youth pastor, uh, five years at one church, five years at another. I've currently been at the church where I'm at, at Calvary Bible in Lapeer for, it'll be 10 years this fall. Oh, nice. um, actually, yeah. And it's a older church, 180 years old. And uh, so before everything was invented, uh, Calvary was around. That's good. And uh, oh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. So before we, we had cars, Calvary was there. <laughs> Tell me more. Father. Everything, plastics, microwave, yeah. everything. Before was, sliced bread, Calvary was I, there. I, well, I think probably so. Um, and Calvary's unique because we have a radio station and a, a really forward-thinking pastor from a hundred years ago. It was ninety? Well, ninety-six years ago. Uh, that's how old the radio station is. And so, and, and you're, you're a Moody grad, right? Moody started their radio station first, Christian station in America, from what I understand. And our radio station was second. Wow. So, yeah, 96 years old. And Moody stopped broadcasting for a short season there. And so, WMPC is, all new to me. I didn't so know WMPC the is the oldest continuously broadcasting Christian radio station in America. Are you Bam. kidding me right now? It will not fit on a bumper sticker. It's too long. Wow. Yeah. So, so wow. just take up the entire bumper. It, it would. Yeah. I didn't but know that about Moody. Blessing. And I love Moody. And I didn't know that it was the first Christian radio station. Wow. Yeah. So when you think of forward thinkers, and you guys are both forward thinkers in church ministry, um, here's a guy who not everybody had radios at that time. And um, he knew about the radio. He looked up in an encyclopedia how to build the different components that they would need to have the radio. And that's how he did it. And they put it in the church basement Wow! and started broadcasting. He signed on every day, signed off every night. And uh, so that was right. And we still have that uh, radio station today. So we broadcast live every Sunday morning. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. That is really cool. Well, welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Glad you're here. Let's jump into our discussion. It's an important one. And uh, one that's near and dear to are the, the leader of Barnabas, Doug Schmidt's heart, um, and mine as well. And if you've been in ministry, you need to have this idea of um, continuing being transformed and, and improving and growing. Uh, you don't want to get stagnant or stuck in a rut, which is really easy to do. So I'm going to read from us from the book of Proverbs from God's Word. And I'm going to read a few verses here. Uh, Proverbs 10.4 reads this, A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. 12, 27 reads, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. And Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs is clear that the Lord rewards the diligent. Hard work pays off. It's important for pastors and ministry leaders to learn how to be diligent in growing in the gifts and callings that God has given to them. We were designed to cultivate, mature, and grow the gifts that the Lord has blessed us with. If we don't, like I said earlier, we get stuck in a rut or worse, we can't listen to feedback and become fools. I'm convinced that a thriving church will continually work to improve what they do. I believe that St. Augustine said that the church must always be reformed. That church is reformed, but it needs to be continuing to be reforming and changing is what he meant by that. I'm also convinced that God has called every leader to continuously improve in areas that he has called them to lead in. Again, this is why my friend Jeremy is joining us today. Jeremy is a man who is always looking to build relationships, to learn, to grow his leadership and his gifts and his calling. He diligently seeks out counsel and places to be equipped and is a great leader to speak about these issues. So we're going to deal with how to continuously improve in areas like preaching, leadership, pastoring, and more on this episode of Stream Roots. Jeremy, why is it important to continuously improve as pastors and ministry leaders, and leaders in the church and, and in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> and of course, we speak to, it speaks to everybody, but for pastors, of which you are one and I'm one, and, and John, you work in uh, pastorate and music ministry, um, where we live at today, Jesus knew this time was going to come. And right before Christ, right before the triumphal entry uh, recorded in Luke 19, when he was about to go in, he gave one last parable and his followers, the disciples, they were thinking 
I mean, we get this from them. They were thinking, well, the, the kingdom's coming now. They were kind of jockeying for position who's going to be top general with Jesus at that point. And uh, Jesus gave this last parable right before the triumphal entry because he thought, and I think the, it says right there in Luke 19, they supposed the kingdom of God was going to come immediately. Well, it has not. And you and I aren't there either. And so he gives that parable of the talents at that point where we find, you know, there's different uh, talents that are given out, and then how good stewards are they going to be of that? And that's where you and I live today. Um, And he tells them, engage in business until I come. Specifically for pastors, there can be a temptation sometimes just to look at today and to just uh, coast, possibly. And uh, I love the expression I heard a few years ago, why shepherds look for their reward then and not now. And that'll keep you on, on the right track so often because so there's low hanging fruit sometimes. Say, say that again. Yeah. Why shepherds what? Why shepherds look for their reward then, not now. So we look for our reward later on. Mm-hmm. We're going to stand before God and give account for what we did. And uh, it's so easy to take that low hanging fruit sometimes. And that's why improving is so important. Um, you mentioned it in your opening uh, statement there, you know, and that's one of the questions that we've discussed, what happens if we're not continually improving? And you talked about getting into a rut. Um, have either one of you guys experienced that, getting into a rut? Have you, have you seen that? I don't know. You first. Uh, I, I will say categorically, yes. <laughs> you can't be alive if you haven't at some point. You know what I mean? That's why God's word speaks to us. And, and you think about uh, just the way it corrects and refines and encourages and exhorts us and moves us. Um, I think it's natural to get it because especially when you're good at something, you, That's you it. don't tend to want to improve on that. And and if you look at any any area, just the law of how God has designed the world, you, you look at people who are professionals. Um, it's not so much that they're just overly gifted than others. It's that they've worked so hard. And I, I thought it was shocking. I've learned I learned this, like, I think, like 25 years ago, um, Tiger Woods. Um, or maybe 20 years ago, he he had a swing coach. And I was like, what, why does he have a swing coach? He's one of the world's best golfers ever. Because he's always improving. He's always looking to adjust. He's always doing that. So I think I don't think anybody can say no to that, right? In my opinion. I agree with you. I, uh, unless I mean, John was going to say no right there. No. <laughs> well, and yes or no questions are tricky because you can just say yes or no and then stop. Yeah. We, should, we should have a why, uh, you know. But I think you nailed it on the head there, Uh Mark, when you say you, you, you've gotten to where something's really good or you think you're the best at it, and so we can concentrate on other things now. And uh, that's a real danger uh, for us to, to think that we've arrived and to think there's no room for improvement. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I don't know, I think, I think we've all hit it on the head here. Like, you know, it, we're, we're, you know, being a pastor, being, you know, in a pastoral role, you know, you're constantly offering what, you know, what you would consider your best as an offering onto the Lord, right? To your congregation, your sermon, sermon prep, all of that stuff. And to say that like, okay, well, this is good enough, right? Like that's, that's doing a disservice, not only to your congregation, but to the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're getting into a rut, you know, work. I, I love thinking about past, present and future. Uh, and when we go backwards and look at Adam, we know work work was here before sin came into the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there was as much need for improvement back then necessarily. Everything he did well. When we look to the future, we look to heaven. What are we going to be doing? It's a great question. Um, I was asked that question from a teenager one time, and it's it's a good question. You know, Pastor Jeremy, do you think we're going to be bored in heaven? Because what picture do you think she had in her mind of what heaven might be? What what are some common pictures that some people mistakenly have? Floating around, <laughs> floating on a cloud, like a fat baby and singing oh. songs all day. You yes, know what I mean? yeah, are yeah. we really going to be happy yeah. to float yeah. on a cloud all the time, or we're yeah. heading to the next choir practice or yeah. a praise? <laughs> yeah. Is that really? I mean, I'll be I'll be ecstatic. That'll be great. Well. It, <laughs> And I don't, I don't push back too much when people That's talk fine. about what their heaven is. I get that. But I think probably you can make a good case because we will be busy in heaven yes, working we yes, we will. with how God intended us to, to do it. We'll do it perfectly, and we won't be bored with it. But in this sandwiched area between Adam and between heaven, we are still called to be busy with work, 
but we can very much get into a rut. And if we are doing it well, defined by God's word, the devil's going to come right after that. And it might mean letting us uh, get resting on our laurels. It might mean that he allows us to think, oh, that's just good enough. So the devil, if something's being effective, he's going to use a strategy. I always think of the, the Christian life, the work we're doing in, uh, for the Lord, and the, what the devil's doing as this chess match. So you can't just go by one you know, set playbook. Something We're going to do something to make it effective, to be good, and the devil's going to make a counter move. And that's why we have to be creative and we have to be tenacious with what uh, we're doing because our enemy is content to allow us to be busy, but he is not content to allow us to be effective. We're all busy. I mean, you know, you guys, you guys, you know, know your schedule, you know, what's on your calendar, but and the, the devil doesn't hate it when we're busy, but he hates it when the gospel is being effective. And that's when he'll jump in. That's when he will do something to attack. So, I'm not sure what you guys' backgrounds are as much, but can you remember something that was a that was effective as far as a gospel witness from years ago, maybe decades ago, that was very popular, or maybe somebody in your family came to Christ in that way, but it doesn't seem to be as effective today. Anybody have anything that comes to mind? I think when I was in college, people used that Bill Bright thing a lot. Of like Evangelism explosion? Have, uh, no, I forgot Bill Bright's. Um, once you have an abundant life kind of thing. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I guess I can't really grasp one. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you, you, you can think of plenty of TV evangelists that were popular back in the day that, you know, that method of evangelism isn't, you know, exactly popular now. Well, I, I still hear that today. I right. talked to a pastor friend of mine and he said, my mom got saved watching a Billy Graham crusade. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 I guess you're right. Billy Graham's a big hold um, crusades. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the Billy Graham Crusades, I think now they're they seem to be very effective in different countries, but you don't hear about them as much here. Now there's one coming to Flint, Michigan this fall, from what I understand. And so I'm really curious to see um, you know, how that's going to go. But my point is this is we have to be continually growing and learning because if something is effective, the devil is gonna put all his efforts into knocking that down. Gospel work, strength of families. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's working, working overtime on families right now, and he's being very effective in a lot of ways, and also on uh, Christians maturing. And so if it is a priority to us, then it's going to be a priority to the devil, and that's where we come into this conflict. And, and there's, yeah, you need, and you need to continuously improve, right? You know, what, what happens if you don't? Well, I think sometimes you don't see it. You kind of get into this, well, we have the system in place. This is the way my denomination does it. This is the way I was taught when I was going through my education. This is the way my good friends do it. And so that'll have to be good enough. And that's why it's so important sometimes just to stand back and, and see if it really is effective and to be creative. We have to figure out something different and not be nervous. Like some of us, and I resist that. Some guys who are creative, you're creative, John, and I love that. I'm, I'm envious of that. I'm not creative at all. Mm. Actually, when I reached out to Mark first time, I, I said, I... I need help with vision and with, and, um, you know, creativity, things like that. And you were so generous with your time just to listen and ask questions and nod. And you had some great wisdom for that, but you just have to, you have to be able to do something else. And I'll give you one example from a medical, uh, not a medical field, but just a pain that I had. I, I like to exercise, I exercise five or six days a week. And, um, I had, a problem recently with circulation in my legs where I couldn't walk even mm. to the point mm. where, and it, it, it got really hard during COVID. So during this season when I could go out and walk five hours a day, if I wanted to, nothing else to do, <laughs> I literally couldn't walk. I was in so Gosh. much pain. I was in a season for a little bit where I had to sit down to preach. And I said, well, I, I want to continue to exercise. I know this is going to be important for longevity in life. I need to do this and also helps, you know, put wind in your sails and, and does things for you physically. Um, and even mentally. So I've got a membership at uh, our rec center in Lapeer there. And I said, I, well, I can't do the treadmill and there's certain things I can't do. And they've got a pool right there. And I said, well, I, I know that's good exercise. And so I just said, well, let's, let's add another tool to the toolbox and let's learn um, how to swim. And if I'm going to do it, 
I, I want it to be, I want it to be, uh, you know, exciting. So I'm going to do the, the kick flip where you, you know, you go and spin and push off the wall. Mm-hmm. And you guys actually had somebody on an episode who's quite a swimmer a while back. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I was going to say Michael Phelps. I don't remember no. him as a, as a guest. Uh, Doug, Doug Schmidt? No, Tim. <laughs> Tim was on here. He, he, uh, he works for, with Barnabas, actually. Okay. Tim, I believe. Tim, right? Tim Helen. Yep. Yes, Tim Helen was yep. on here, and he swims. Yes. He actually swim. Yeah, you're right. He's he a, swims and he pulls his know, pontoon boat in his lake. When Tim his, is a <laughs> friend of mine. I do know that. I forgot that he was like a world class swimmer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is he I, really? I, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's a very good swimmer. Swims every day. Yeah. And I don't love the swimming, but I wanted to be able to still get some exercise. And so here's a step we can take. And we have to do the same thing with uh, growing. If it's a priority. If it's a priority. To us and what God God wants us to do, it then the devil's going to attack it. Yeah, and if you don't improve right or change, you become redundant. You know, I I, I forgot who said this. Um, he said every every church is culturally relevant. Just what culture are they relevant to? Oh boy, you know, sometimes we stick on to the old things because it was always done that way. Or if you look at church history, I love church history. You see revivals bust burst out because God can do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do. And a lot of times it happened because of the technological advances that were happening. So like the printing press, and then you had like the reformation. Um, and then you had people who were like, Hey, I want I need to get the word outside of the walls. Like John Wesley and George Whitfield, uh, they went out and did open air preaching. You know what I mean? And said, instead of just coming to the church, let's get outside of the walls. And then you had uh, the radio waves. And then you had with TV, Billy Graham, when the TV started coming there, they put him on his face everywhere and just see the word go forth through all the nations. So you had just different ways of doing things and changing and improving and growing and following what God has given to you to do it. And imagine if those guys didn't do those things, how different our world would look. Yeah. 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 And I wonder what kind of resistance they found right away, you know, embracing television, broadcasting, embracing. I mean, because most people don't like change, especially if you've got something good going, you know, why, why why are we going to change this? Why are we going to um, upset the cart here? Yep. Okay, great. So how do we create a culture of continuously improving at our church so we don't get stuck? How do you how do you do that? Well, I think being open to questions is important. People and not every question is good, not every idea is good. Um but uh, uh Steve Jobs I read recently uh addressing the status quo. Um he gave the answer that he would always hear when people ask the question, why are we doing this this way? And they said, because we've always done it this way. And so they didn't know any different. And especially if you've had success. So you, that was a great thing to mention at the top of the, of the broadcast there, because if something's going well, why question it? Well, it's not bad for folks to ask questions. In fact, questions can really be our friends, but we resist that sometimes, especially if people are griping or complaining and, Every once in a while, there's a complainer in a church. You guys probably don't have those in your church, I know. No, never. So, uh, but some people have the gift, and um, they will do that. But if you're if you're patient enough to listen through, sometimes there's a really good point in even that question that they're asking that might rub you the wrong way at first. Yep. And that's why it's so helpful just to to. It, and Lord willing, they don't have bad bad motives. My experience is, and in, in where I've been, people don't really have horrible motivations. They're not asking questions for really bad reasons. And so if you can allow yourself to be vulnerable enough for questions, um, questions can really can really be our friend. Yeah, I, I, I think that's brilliant. And, you know, there there is an aspect of humility that has to come into play, right? You know, being able to humble yourself to take on those you know, we'll call them, you know, refining comments or suggestions, especially if it's coming from a source that you trust and a source that you know is is coming from a place of like, hey, I see how you're serving. I I see, you know, the gifting that God has given to you. Here is something that I'm seeing that I think you can improve on. I know that there have been people who have, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, uh, spoken into my life, you know, in ministry and have refined me in that way. And at first, yeah, sometimes it can be, you know, a little uh, discouraging, you could say. But, you know, you you got to you gotta get to the place where it's like, okay, well, you know, I am, I am at this comfort level, I guess you could say, in my ministry where I know that like, okay, this is, this is where God has placed me. This is the calling that God has put on my life. 
and I'm going to humble myself in this moment and I am going to receive this critique, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to see if there's any truth in that. And I think that that, you know, it, it takes a seasoned ministry person or someone who is very confident in their, um, in their sonship to be able to sonship daughtership, to be able to, to have that. Yeah. And I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it because your critics can be good. Even people who might have nefarious motives, it doesn't mean everything they say is wrong. Right. You know what I mean? And, and you can look and, and evaluate and, and, and see, Hey, maybe I didn't communicate this well. Maybe I spoke harshly. Maybe I, I am aloof to some of these things. And so that's part of that. We, you know, what is, I think in a proverb says there's a there's like a foolish king who couldn't take advice anymore, and like right. there was no hope for him. Kind of, mm. that's loosely translated. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's but right. You got to create that culture of okay. It doesn't mean we're you're constantly evaluating things to death. I think we got to be careful of that. Sure. But you also have to be like, okay, what are we doing? What can we do? And we can't allow it. Just it's always been done that way. You know what I mean? There's a great story I heard a long time ago. I forgot who the who I was. love stories. Yeah, I love I love them too. <laughs> um, but there was a guy and and his wife would make Thanksgiving dinner and he loved it. And his favorite thing were like the ends of like the turkey. So he loved like the ends of it. Uh, somehow they got like whatever it was. He just loved it. And so his wife always would cut off the ends before she cooked the turkey. And they were married for like five years. And he's like, man, that's my favorite part. I never get it. And he said to her, why do you cut off the ends of the turkey when you when you cook it? And she's like, I don't know. I was always taught that way. And so she asked her mom. And her mom said, you know, because she grew up that way and did it for 25 years before she married and moved out. And her mom said, I, I don't know why I do. I've been doing it for 40 years. Let me ask your grandmother. And so they asked the grandmother. And so why do we cut off the bur- the ends of this before we cook the turkey? And it was, well, my oven at the time was so small, it wouldn't yep. fit a full turkey. Yep. So I cut it off. And that was how it was always taught. And it became ingrained into their mind and tradition where there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just always done that way. And so it's like, okay, well, doesn't mean it was wrong, but why am I doing it that way? And we don't even know it, and we kind of just accept the way we do things because we, we think it's right, but it doesn't mean it was right just because we inherited it or it's always done that way. So anyhow, I'm done. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great story, yeah. and, and uh, it, 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 how many times are we guilty of that? Why, why, do, why do you do this that way? All the time. Why, why is that over there? Why, why is that? Why'd you say it that way? Why did you make that expression? We're guilty of it so much, and I was guilty of it this past weekend. You like stories? Mark. So we, uh, we scheduled, I scheduled two Sundays off from church and, um, the schedule got changed a little bit. So we came back from our trip from California early. And, uh, so we were here and the kids wanted to do something on a Sunday. Well, I had somebody coming in to speak and I had somebody lined up to run everything and you guys both church ministry. So when you are, when you're on vacation, if you go to church, that you guys are both laughing now because it's not really vacation if you go to church. And the the wisest person that I know, his name is Tina. She's my wife. She said, well, let's just go to church. This was uh, Saturday. She said, let's just go to church. And I said, well, no, because, you know, I got somebody to do all that. And it just doesn't quite, you know, it'll it'll be kind of challenging. And, and um, I stand, and I could give 10 reasons why not to do it. And in the end, she pressed me and she said, well, we want to do something with the family right afterwards. And, and she said, why not? And I said, and I said, what exactly what we just talked about. I said, because I don't know anybody that does that. I don't know anybody that takes vacation. And then they go to their church and just attends their church coming at one minute till the service starts. And it was hard. It was hard when something was going on and I was like, oh my goodness, somebody needs to fix that before this step in the process. <laughs> And my wife asked me today, are you glad you did it? And I said, absolutely. And, per, you know, per, per uh, her norm, she was right mm. with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the guy who was speaking, who attends our church, he did a great job. And, and, uh, but it went very, very well. But my reason in the end was, is I don't know anybody that's done that before. Really? Yeah. I'll, I try to do that once a year because then you observe and you actually make a lot of changes because you see things so differently when you're just there. Yeah, and then instead of serving, but anyhow, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I come in and don't preach, but I never, 
you know, and I didn't get up and shake hands after where people came to me oh, and said okay. hi and welcome right. back maybe, and stuff. Maybe, but, maybe that's a little different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm new here. <laughs> uh, but it, like it, it. it went very well. Good. That's awesome. Awesome. Love it. So we, we want to create a culture not only for ourselves, uh, but for our staff. And that's really important for our staff to help them to grow. Um, you know what I mean? You, you, like things you can do, like go to conferences together, uh, bring in speakers, do workshops together. We do on Thursday, every every Thursday in our church, we do a book together and we do a book study just to improve, to grow and to, to do those things. There, there's many different ways to do that. But I want to go, go on to go to this next thing. This is important. What are some practical things we can do to seek out improvement in different areas? And so I want to start with like leadership. How can we practically seek out improvement in our leadership? Because um, many of our listeners are leaders in the church. Some are not, or but, but we have different areas of leading, and God's given us different callings. But how can we improve in the area of leadership? Well, the resources are abundant, um, and I know you're, you're a reader. I know that. Uh, well, you read a lot, and so uh, mm-hmm. am, am I off on that? Like a book a year. <laughs> I'm joking around. No, I, re- I read, yeah, not because I love it, because I know it's important. There you go. <laughs> there you All right, go. it's a discipline. And if I know John well, you're more of a listener. Totally a listener. <laughs> All right. <Yep. laughs> I was going to show you an app on my phone that I found recently that literally you scan the page and it reads it to you. Oh, nice. What? I'll show you afterwards if oh you want. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's, it's very robotic, but you can pay money and get... Uh, a really cool voice. Oh, if you I'll want. never pay so money for it. It's but. free. But it's robotic. <laughs> so and I and I so but I, so I'm working on be, being a better reader. But so there's resources that are there, um, obviously for that leadership. But just to observe that there's leaders everywhere. So there's leaders in your church. Um, if you've worked with a teen group, there are leaders there. I'm not saying they're leading in the right direction. But you go to any high school, any junior high, there are leaders there, and they might be taking those kids down yep. the wrong road. Yep. And so there is a void of good leadership where people have to step, and you have to challenge people to step up to it. Most people don't want to lead. Most people don't want the top spot. They really don't. And it's nothing, it's it's not combating your challenge, John, of, of humility that needs to be there. But the um, there is a really a void of... Um, of men leading in their families, of uh, good leaders and men leading in the churches that we do not see today. And so it has to be pushed because somebody's going to lead. And if a good guy will not do it, someone else is going to pull them the wrong direction. Yeah. So, so that's great. I love that. You know, and it's a huge thing. And I think even for our country, our culture, right? 20 million children right now are, are being raised in a home without a father. We need men to do that. But how do you, like you, me, the the guy, the person, the man, the women listening. How do we develop and cultivate improving in leadership? Like, what would you recommend for that? So, like, not only empowering other leaders, but just my personal leadership. So, if I'm asking, like, so me, like, hey, Jeremy, taking you off for lunch. How do I improve my leadership? What What would you say? Well, I think you have to take a risk. No, no risk, no reward okay. is is a very popular expression. And so the devil can get us paralyzed into doing nothing, that, that deer in the headlights look to where, and that's, and that's what so many are like. And I think men are more guilty than women of that. I think men just kind of say, if I don't do anything, then there'll be less, there'll be less friction or less problem. And, and so we it tend not to do anything. And, it, and it, so just doing something, um, and, uh, you know, we've been uh, trying to improve in some areas at our church. And so that, just those two words, do something, do something. Um, because if you don't, the devil's going to be happy with that. And if you do and it fails, so what? I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's usually not going to be that many major things that happen because you tried something, you stepped out there and you took your leaders a certain way. And, and so what? So there's a leaning on God, leaning on the Holy Spirit as you go through these things, but then doing your best. We pulled our, our, our uh, leadership together recently, and we were trying to just focus on growth in the church. And so we just shook it up a little bit. We threw out the typical monthly agenda. We pulled into a different room with the big board and just started to talk. And I started with a couple problems because guys like to solve problems, so they'd be all over that. And um, when we got the board out, now I received some advice in advance, uh, Dave Anderson, and you've had Dave on the program, uh, mm-hmm. but fantastic. I just love Dave. 
and I've got Dave's number, and I call him, and he's so generous with his time. By the way, he's the man. If yeah. I if I can just insert here, and I don't want to go too long. You're fine. Go. But um, these so many of these pastors, like Dave and uh, Doug Schmidt, and I'll mention a couple other guys in a minute. They are so willing and generous with their time. You're shaking your head. Yes, John. yes. It's 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 floored me. Not everybody's that way. You know, it should be that way. It should be that everybody's rooting for everybody else, and we want everybody to do well. I've been so pleased with so many of these guys. Have been so helpful. So I called Dave before that that meeting, and I said, "Well, here's what I'm thinking," and um, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant. And he gave some great advice, and he said, "You know, use this phrasing here. Don't use this." Um, and it was really good, but I went into it thinking, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to talk about it. You're planting seeds. Is what it is. You're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. Well, those guys were ready to roll with a couple ideas after that first meeting. And so I had to make a decision. Well, do I, you know, have to be a legalist here with what I went into? And so we don't do anything. Or do I say, let them go? And they went with a couple ideas that we started uh, right away. And it was, it was wonderful. So you're leaning on the Lord as you go, but you're also taking a risk yeah. um, as you go. And so and you encourage the guys, what's the worst that could happen? Which some of us are afraid of that. We're afraid yeah. we just get in this small little box and we're so guarded. Um, and so I, I think taking and challenging your guys to take a risk and to, and to trust you and do it together. Love it. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jeremy. I, I feel like so many times we just play it safe um, and we're afraid to take the risk. I feel like that's a huge part of growing in leadership is... Take some steps of faith. Take a risk. Step out. Get your team going. Allow people the freedom, n- not to be incompetent, but a freedom to fail at times. You know, things might not work out the way exactly you wanted, but you allowed that to happen in there. I, I love that. I think also when it comes to continuously improving or you want to be reading or listening to different yeah. things, um, you know, you, you want to be building different relationships. So we'll talk about like preaching. How do we continuously improve with preaching. I'm super interested in that. I always want to improve my preaching because I feel like I'm, you know, Mondays are always a tough day because you're like, oh man, I couldn't say that. And that <laughs> yeah, and biggest critic. Totally miss your, like, everyone missed my main point. And, you know, so like, how do you improve? You know, we're talking about continuously improving. How would you improve your preaching? Well, don't rush past what you just said. You just did self-evaluation right there, which is so important. You know, afterwards and, um, it's it's so key, so important uh, to, to to think through that and to say how did I do afterwards? Because you know Kelsey's probably going to give you good feedback, maybe honest feedback, probably, yeah. maybe. And so, she's or maybe maybe she's encouragement. She's super nice then. All yeah. right, and so uh, that's good. But you need to get honest evaluation. And so, um, and these days you can see your stuff. I've seen your stuff online, and so you can see your own stuff. But let me back up a little bit. Um, we have a, a budget for a conference for me every year. Okay. And in 2020, everything was canceled, right? Yeah. Everything was canceled. I had heard of a couple different guys. Um, I think John Maxwell did this. And I think a friend of mine named Joe Humrick House, who's down in my home area in Illinois, uh, Indiana, Illinois area. They did, instead of a conference one year, they took the money that was set aside for that conference and they took it and they spent that money just connecting with one person an influencer in some way. So whatever that money was, I'm going to pay you for your time and do that. Well, when COVID came, I think I was scheduled to go to a conference down in Louisville and everything was canceled. And so our, our leadership at the church and I agreed, well, can we do, is this a good idea? Can we take this money and have me connect one-on-one with somebody? And they said, absolutely, go for it. You know, we trust you. So I sent, I should have brought the text message. I sent out a copied and paste text to about eight different people and explained that to them. Hey, in lieu of a conference this year, I'm going to connect one-on-one with somebody. If there's one person that you could connect with, any area, I didn't know if it would be pastoring, leadership, administration, what it would be, um, who would you connect with? And I got multiple responses back. And so now I've got that sitting with me. Was, and, John, was John Blosser's name on there? Uh, no, you didn't make the list, John, but you probably will now. Stream so. Roots is growing. It's growing. I'm sorry. And so, <laughs> that, was, that was kind of mean. What? It's <laughs> a compliment. It's, it's oh. coming. It's a, it's, a goal, it's a goal to shoot for. <laughs> Get um, out of here. But I, I, was, I wasn't doing a podcast. We do have a radio broadcast, though. I would seek John. You know so, what? I saw John out before I was the uh, host on here. 
I wanted his wisdom. How oh, to do a podcast. You did. See? You know what? You are on my list. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you did do that. See, it wasn't offensive. Come on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was, was good. Teasing. It was a joke, though. All right, go ahead. Right. That's fine. <laughs> I, I was given two names, um, and uh, one of them is a current pastor, uh, very seasoned. His name's Don Denyes. Okay. Oh, uh, yep, do, he's been on you know, Straight Gate. Yep, he did a one on preaching. No, not straight. What was the I, name of I, Straight Church? What's this? Straight I, Gate I, Church. I, I did not hear that. Southgate Church. Yeah. Yep. You know, the South Church in, South Church in Lansing in used Lansing. to be. Yeah, yeah, he was on uh, yeah. four months ago. Yeah, yeah. Don, yes. Yep. So, Don, I, I haven't heard that one. I'll, I'll look it up. If it's, is it in the archives? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the show. Great. Uh, so, I've, I spent a lot of time with Don. And um, just a pastor of a ch- larger church, you know, well over a thousand, and during COVID. And so I reached out to him, and um, Doug Schmidt gave me his name, and I said, well, and he said, he's not going to take a, a, a payment from you. He said, you might give him a gift card or something for he and his wife. And so I went and did that and connected one day. And um, he went and watched a video of my preaching in advance. And he, um, not, in addition to pastoring, he would teach uh, homiletics um, at Grand Rapids Seminary. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what it is, yeah. yeah. And um, so he had an evaluation sheet, watched the preaching, and you feel like you're sitting there, you know, in your underwear when he's, you know, dressing you down and talking talking about your preaching. This was your intro. This was good. Content was good. You uh, talk too fast here. Your, your hands did this. And so it was like going back to preaching class is what it was like. And it was wonderful and so generous. And I made another connection. And I've gotten together with Don since covid maybe four times. Oh, okay. And then they asked him to come up to the lodge and Barnabas offers this. And yep. guys, guys that are, that are preaching regular should look at the Barnabas website because there's, um, Don Denya's taught a, they say a little bit of, a little bit of harm, a little bit of harm yeah. is what they call yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah a week, so I went like to, I, I went to that, okay. uh, with him and I'd heard all that, but I was, I'd already been with him like four times. And so I was, the kid asking all the questions, and there was a lot of young guys that were there. And you got to give a little devotional at the end of the week, um, which is like, really? I preach, you know, I preach, I've been preaching for, you know, two decades. i got to give a devotional and be evaluated. And that was one of the best things. I was a young guy. And um, so everybody in the room gives a critique afterwards. So the evaluation is so important, important Mark. Gives a critique afterwards. And I resisted it. I didn't have the humility, John, mm-hmm. that you're talking about, John. Yep. And... Um, I think I went first because I had to leave early. And this guy said, yeah, you uh, said what? I usually will say a line like, what, toward the beginning, what we'll see in God's Word today is, and that's kind of an introduction. Some people do it with their title. Some will say, we're going to talk about this today. I'll say, what we'll see in God's Word today is. And I did that, and I looked down to read it. And he just called me on it. He said, if it's really that important, why are you looking down to read it? And I wanted to get it right, but he just called me on it. And I've been prepping for you know, a year and a half since then. And I was like, you better memorize that line. I still see it. And I saw him at a recent pastor's gathering. And I said, I think of you all the time whenever I'm, I get ready to say that line. I say, you better memorize it. And he says, I think of you too when I'm on my website and I see the video because I told him what I'm going to tell you. Watch your video. We'll watch the oh, video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so no, why are you saying that? With Well, during, during the pandemic time, um, I was able to watch myself lead worship. Every single time Kyle uh, and I recorded the the weekly sermons, so it was it was it was life changing to be able to look at yourself and like, well, why do I you know why do I lean this way? Why yep. don't I fully face the congregation? Why am I doing this with my head? You know, all of these little things where you know may not be a big deal, but like, okay, well, why? Why are you doing all of these different things? And it's and it's like a really nice refiner's fire. Yeah. And why not make that small improvement? Right. Why, why not do that? Right. If, if it distracts you when you do this repetitive thing, it's not accomplishing. So with the preaching, the goal, and you, and you go through a book, you finished Ruth, and now you're in Fear Not, right? Is that right? So, um, look at you. Bravo. Yeah, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, the goal is for the people to walk away having been taught the Word of God and also being able to apply the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's the goal. So all these things can be either a help towards that or it can be a distraction. So if I'm playing with my ring or if I'm walking for no reason, I watch, I watch guys walk for no reason at all sometimes. Yep. And, and I want to ask them, 
why are you walking? And they'll say, well, just to keep the attention of the people. Well, it can, it can actually have the opposite effect. But that's where evaluating will come in. I remember watching my sermon afterwards one time. I think I had spent an hour and a half on this point. Here is the, oh, they're going to be, this is the amen moment, man. And this, you know, this is really going to resonate. And this is a big point of the text. And I can remember flying through it, talking so fast. I talk fast. Flying through it and watching it. And I went, oh, hour and a half wasted. I mean, I mean, I got the words out, but the, the message was not communicated, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And even all the stuff that we do, body language, um, I, it, it, can, it can always help. I, went, I had a guy in my church visiting, and he texted me. He said, man, that move where you walked out from the pulpit right towards us. Wow. And I was like, I, and I knew what he was talking about because it draws people's attention. Uh, when, when you, when you, when you do that, there's a reason for it. Now, half the time I'm walking to one side of the pulpit, it's because somebody got up to walk out and everybody in the room is looking over at that person walking out of the room. So I'm trying to hold their attention as best I can. Mm. But, um, Don Daniels, I connected with, I would call him a friend. He's been so helpful. Um, and, and by the way, I went and took the second time I went with him. He said, you don't have to bring me anything. I'm happy to meet with you. And uh, so we've connected multiple times. The other guy's name was Wally Hotstetter. Do you know that name at all? Mm-mm. Wally Hotstetter, um, he, he works at a church in mid-Michigan. He's, he's 75. He had the honor of, with a Woodside Bible, they have, I think, 14 campuses. And I might be getting this wrong, so we can, you guys can send an email to Streamroots if I'm wrong. Sounds good. So that sounds good. So, but I'm pretty sure that Wally was tasked with, they farmed this out, and of those 14 campuses, they would take somebody, one of those campus pastors, and take the video of him and send it to Wally for him to evaluate. And they didn't know, who, they didn't know when it was going to be or who it was going to be. And so then he would give them evaluation. And he had a form just like Don Denya's had. This was this, this was this, this was this here. And, and same thing, we met and talked, and wonderful help. And he preaches, I think, every third week yeah. where he's at. And he's 75, so he's over the hump, I'm sure, halfway. He's got to be. And he told me every time I preach, I watch the whole sermon afterwards. And I said, every time you preach? He said, without fail. I watched the entire sermon afterwards. And so if he's doing it as a, as a teacher instructor and then getting better, then I said, well, certainly that's a good use of 35 minutes of my Monday morning. Mm. So, so yeah, we can, you want to improve that, right? By you've got outside evaluation, people you trust, uh, people who know what they're doing, um, having those things. You can even pay for that. Uh, so I have a friend, Chris Rappazzini. He was on the he was Rappa, Doctor Rappa, was yep. on the podcast eight months ago on plagiarism. We did one on plagiarism and becoming a better preacher. Yeah. So uh, about twice a year, I have him evaluate a message I do and tell me how bad it was. <laughs> so, but but those are just helpful outside sources because some people who really love you, um, they they don't notice those things or people there or sometimes people who don't love you or don't matter what even if it does really well they didn't like it or whatnot. But it's just nice to have something on the outside. So outside evaluations are great for improving that, humbling yourself, listening to counsel. Those are good things. Okay, well, moving. let's move on from preaching. What about like the idea of protection and policies in church, right? We're, we're called to shepherd God's people. Uh, we can't just improve in one area like our church, churches, ministries, ministry leaders, things that we do need to continue to uh, improve in, in policies. You look at why this is such a big deal, like the SBC right now, Southern Baptist Convention, going through a huge aspect of, of some of the ways that they handled um, sexual harassment, assault, all of these things that were happening. Huge dynamic shift from years and years and years of not dealing with that correctly. Mm-hmm. So how do we improve? How, how do you improve in those things? Well, I, I, I surround myself with people that I would consider to be experts in different areas. Um, so I have a friend that, uh, you know, just was probably one of the best youth guys I've ever known. And so when we had an activity recently about, with outreach, I contacted this guy and I said, well, I just have a lot of questions. So I'm constantly, um, and it's not a false humility. It's not, it's, it's, it's just, it's networking is what it is. Yeah. So many different yeah. people that um, are an expert in something. I've got another pastor. He, I don't know how many funerals he preached one year, but he was the funeral expert. And so I, I got asked to do a uh, funeral for a guy that committed suicide. Young guy, mm-hmm. had a family, committed suicide. 
I was really struggling. People don't know that we struggle with these things, but I'll be like, I don't, what do I say? And they weren't, it wasn't a believer that I know of. So I called my friend um, and I said, have you done a funeral for a person that's committed suicide? He said, I've done a few. I said, would you help me out? He said, come right over. Most people are willing to share. And usually people have learned the hard way. You know, that's my experience anyway. I've learned by my mistakes. Sometimes you're blessed to learn by other people's mistakes. Um, so I've got a funeral expert. Um, Can I say something real quick? Yeah. You know, when I was a young guy, right before I was even in ministry, started at Moody my first semester, uh, one of my good friend's sister, she was 16-year-old. She died of a brain aneurysm. It's really tragic. I loved her. Loved, uh-huh. loved that young woman, uh, like a little sister to me. And I, they asked me to speak at the funeral. And it was on like a Saturday. It was Friday. And the pastor of the church I was at, I said, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? And he's like, okay, when is it? I said, it's tomorrow. Oh. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I can't make that work, you know. Um, or maybe it was two days. He's like, oh, you know, I can't make that work. And I was like, can you, like 15 minutes. He's like, I'm sorry. I don't have time for it. And I always, it, like, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. So when people ask me for help, unless I'm like, I'm in an emergency, like, you know, he might not be able to spend hours with you, like the Don Denius. Mm-hmm. But it's more like, oh, yeah, let's, let's figure out, let me give you something right here. Because I never want to leave somebody out like that who needs help in those moments. Because yeah. they're not always like you have a long time to prepare for them. Like this, the funeral for a person who committed well, suicide. If there are people right. in ministry, they, 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 want, they have the same goal you have. They want the same thing. So they want people be, to be ministered to, and they want you to do well standing where you're at. So if they can offer something, Sure, but I'm just saying for me though that I did I had a really bad experience with it. But then, with asking for help and not yeah, getting yeah, it, yeah, yeah, the guy said no. Uh, well, and but that was like for me, I was like, I'm not going to say no to somebody. How good of a friend was he? He was the pastor of my church. <laughs> so, all right, uh, do you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was it, again. Uh, most people, yeah, a lot of people, some people would. But it, to me, I think as pastors, even as leaders, to get better at leaders, yeah. leadership and different things, we need to help other people out when they ask for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean I got to spend four hours with somebody writing a message, but I can spend five, ten minutes of helping them when I, you know, in somewhere in that space. Yeah. But anyhow, I'm done. And, and that networking right. should be a two-way street. Yeah. Um, I, I, and my background is very judgmental. The Lord has humbled me. I, I've wept tears and had to ask for forgiveness for people that I judged in the in my Christian world who had a different standard than I did that wasn't conservative enough for me. I've had to apologize. And the Lord's used that in incredible ways, even to the point where I didn't get together with anybody that wasn't my exact stripe of my denomination uh, several years ago. I wasn't sure what those people were all about. And I have gotten to the point where I don't, uh, I'll just, I, I, I run our um, ministers group for our area in Lapeer County. We have, you were looking at the different churches that were in the area before the broadcast. And there's probably 25 um, different churches that are, you know, close to the city of Lapeer, uh, more than that maybe. But any pastor who will be a friend, I am friends with them. Mm. So that networking goes both ways. And I've had guys that are suspicious. I've had a couple of times where I've had, I call a guy up, he's new in town, want to go out for lunch. Two times I've been asked this question. After about 10 minutes into the meal, what's this all about? <laughs> Just like that. Because they're suspicious. What, what's, what's going on here? And, uh, and I don't know if they had a bad experience with people that did not have good intentions. Yeah. But I would just, I just share it. I just wanted to be your friend and, and, and let you know, you know, and, and so with that pastor's group, we don't do a lot of stuff. We do a monthly lunch so that pastors can know each other. And so you can talk, because pastors can talk in a way that you can't talk with the congregation about. Uh, in, 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 a diff- in a different way. And so that's what that's for, but very much so that's a two-way street. So I got a guy from the Free Methodist Church. He calls me up. Oh, we're having an event. We got the bounce house. The blower went out. Oh, we've got a blower. Why don't you come and borrow it? And uh, and, and I got a dozen stories like that. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's a two-way street, but, but I genuinely do. And maybe that's reactive because I wouldn't be friends with anybody before. We're going to be neighbors up in heaven. I'll have to apologize up there to them. I know, but... Now, I, what I do is I sit down with everybody, and usually one of my first questions is, is when did you come to Christ? Mm-hmm. I probably asked you that when we had lunch. Yeah. Uh, tell me about when you came to Christ. And so when someone from my old background says, um, hey, they're not saved, I said, well, I talked to them, and here's their story of how they came to the Lord. And so that's, 
you know, what, yeah, we're what, on the same team, right? It's better together. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want tribalism. I'm not sure if that answers your question about no, the original uh, not question. perfectly, but that's okay. <laughs> it got to the point because I think, you know, as we need to improve not only personally, but we need to improve our church and even the policies because some of the things we have might be yeah. outdated, you know what I mean? And, and we got to protect and shepherd the people of God. But I think if it comes down to, if I can just recap our conversation, really continuous improvement is important. You want to honor God with that. God wants us to cultivate and grow. And the ways to do that is 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 by reading, you know, re- read read and and learn, read or listen, take in information. Two is by evaluating what you're doing and what yeah. your church is doing. Uh, good, honest evaluations at times are good. Don't over-evaluate, but have an honest look at those things. Three, I think this is really hit on a lot, but like the idea of networking, building relationships. You can find people who... Um, what was it Warren Buffett? Successful people network. Really successful people build relationships. Um, you know, you just borrow that from the Bible. You find people <laughs> who are better at you or really good at what they do. Talk to that person. Get to know with them. That's how I got to know Doug. Hey, we, Doug, we're building a building. And he said, I'm in the deep end. What do I do here? Like, help guide me in this process. And mm. went out to lunch, and then he invited me to join a Barnabas group, and it took me about 0.3 seconds to say yes to that. <laughs> and so, but like, okay, and, and you know, so it's building relationships important. Seek out that. And then the fourth would be just humble yourself. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be afraid to change. Humble yourself. Yeah. So those are the ways to improve. I think I, you think I recap that well? I do. You think, do I need improvement on it? Uh, <laughs> I think, well, you could, you could always listen and see how you did. Yeah. That's a good idea. Go back. Well, another one. Yeah. Like you said, go back. Yeah. Well, that's part of the evaluation. Go back and listen, look, watch, you know, hear, hear from others. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Jeremy, anything else you want to add or uh, any final thoughts? Well, that humility is going to resonate with, with everything and not everybody's there. Yeah. We should not be afraid. I pray for God. I pray for myself, my two kids, my wife. If, if we will not humble ourselves, that God will humble us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to pray for that because God wants us humble. Yep. So if he wants us there, I'm not, you know, that's, that's, like, that's an old cliche with the word patience. Don't pray for patience because God will give you something that you'll make you patient. I, I'm not afraid. I, I pray the same thing about patience. God help me be patient. But with humility, it will go so far with the people that we're ministering to, because sometimes they just have this wrong idea that we're, you're put up on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, and, and we know that we are uh, just as much a sinner as anybody else. Amen. And um, I have one story from my, my trip in California, a young Christian man, newlywed, young guy, great guy. And I was out for a morning walk um, along the beach there. It was beautiful. And I saw this guy named Cody. And so I hadn't seen him yet uh, on this trip. It was a work trip for my wife, and he was there working. And I walked up to say hi, and he had his Bible open to Isaiah. And um, I said, oh, man, Isaiah. I said, uh, deep water's there. Cody, nice job there. And he said, yeah, yeah. And he started to express some concern. And I said, well, for me, and I'm always going through Old Testament and New Testament. And I said, oftentimes, I'll just go to a little review video so um, uh, the Bible Project's got a short video summarizing every book, even gotquestions.org will give you, and it'll read it to you, John. <laughs> it'll yes. read it to you. You can, read it, you can read it on print or you can have it read to you, and it'll give you a little summary. And I shared that. I said, yeah, I just, um, what was I getting into? Um, I did Jonah today, so it was just before that. And I said, I just clicked on that just to get a summary of that. And he just stopped and he said, I can't tell you how encouraging that is for me to hear that from a pastor. Mm. And again and again in my church, if I say something from the pulpit like, oh, I really struggled to remember this or to know this here, that encourages people because they just think that, you know, and some guys are, you know, geniuses um, and all that. But for most of us, uh, we are fellow strugglers yeah. right along oh, yeah. with them. Well, we're, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. Amen. All right, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Yep. Oh, <laughs> you should write that, that down. Uh, somebody <laughs> Someone said that 100 years ago. <laughs> All right, let me uh, sign off here. Jeremy, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Thanks for encouraging and challenging and helping me to grow and uh, for your insight here. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and so we want to just encourage us as followers of Jesus to continue to grow, to improve, to seek after what the Lord wants for us. Uh, Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org. That's barnabasministriesmi.org.
mi.org on Barnabas's website as well. You will see um, some of the things they offer from retreats, which are offered at such a discounted price, uh, ways to improve, uh, you know, things that go on locally. Check that out and, and learn more from Barnabas Ministries. If you find this podcast helpful, we encourage you to subscribe. You can also send me any questions or ideas for future episodes. And my email address is mark, M-A-R-K, dot hospital, P-O-S-P-I-S-I-L, at thelakes.cc. That's mark.pospisil at thelakes.cc. Stream roots drawn deep from the living water of God's Word.